0: Recorded live. Well, it's starting a little
1: early. It's actually 11.58. not quite midnight. I have this music playing and I don't know if it's playing on the recording. So I was like, I was thinking, okay, so someone's going to listen to this and hear nothing, or they're going to hear the music, which is cool, but I can't test it out until after I finish recording. <laughs> These are the things I probably should have did an hour ago or two hours ago, but I didn't. So we'll we'll see how this experiment goes. But if you are joining me live, it is 11.59, still January 2nd, but this show is for January 3rd, Discover the on Autism. I'm your host, Nicole. And this is my New Year's resolution, which is to try to do a weekly show again. I don't know if I'm going to have any guests at midnight, but I want to do it. Well, I have to do it at midnight because I have way too much going on during the day and the evening to try to do something. Maybe on the weekends I could have guests, like one one a month or something. Guests bring a whole dynamic to the show that is kind of stressful, but kind of fun, too, and informative, because I don't have all the answers. Believe you me, I do not have all the answers. So let's get started. It's 12 a.m. So I really hope the music is playing, because it is so cool. This is one of my favorite um, artists, Bonobo, and this is called Noctuary. So, for all you English speakers, <laughs> all those people who know words, an is like a night, like an opposite of a diary. And, you know, it's ironic, we're at night. And this is kind of my actuary, Discover the Awe in Autism. Um, but today's topic kind of has to deal with that a little bit and kind of has to deal with what is my place, your place, if you're a parent or a caregiver of someone who is on the autism spectrum, what is our place in our, our loved one's lives, specifically with regards to advocacy and being their voice, so to speak. I've been um, reading some information lately that's kind of made me think, making me second guess, made me a little angry. Oh, it's raining outside. It is, like, pouring outside right about now. It's amazing. I think that's rain, or maybe that's the heater. I don't know. But let me turn this music off, because now it's time to talk. So um, so here's the deal. Um, well, let's, let us me get started for any new listeners out there, because uh, I did share it on the Facebook page for the uh, nonprofit Autism Community Care Connection, so I might have some listeners tonight. Um, I usually try to keep it – it's funny. When you realize that someone's actually listening, It's kind of alters the freeness. Um, I'm a shy broadcaster. <laughs> so, no, I'm not really shy. But, you know, when, you, when you're like, oh, someone's actually listening, it's different when you go back and look and see people who've downloaded the show or listened to it after the fact than when you are actually doing it live. So it's just a silliness. But um, so I don't have any news today because I figured the hour, once you get into this topic or once I get into this topic, um, the hour will go by pretty quickly. And, and I, like I said, this is a New Year's resolution because I did a show called You Want to Know a couple of years ago, and I used to do a weekly show on blog talk radio. And um, it was intense. So intense, I had to take a break from it. It like two, three year break from it. But it's, it was, it's funny, because I go back and I listen, a lot of information was very good. And I did have guests, I had all kinds of guests. And I want to do that again, because I know, with the way technology is today, what I put out here right now is not just it, it could help somebody what i didn't realize then because i guess i wasn't seeing the feedback then is that what you lay out can be picked up years from now that could be good or bad depending on where you are years from now but i just want to help people i mean that's where i come into this i got started into this because i have three children who've been diagnosed with autism my oldest is 16 just turned 16 on sunday Yes, Um, And I have a middle child who is 12, and she'll be 13 in about a week and a half, two weeks from now. And then I have a a third child who is nine, going on 10 in May. And then I have twins. Yes, twins. So, um, but the three older children have formal diagnosis with autism, uh, of autism, excuse me. And when I initially started looking for information, there, there, was I'm not going to say there wasn't information. At the time, it was about 19, or about 2000, and this was just when the quote-unquote epidemic was kind of emerging. I would say like the fear of it was kind of emerging. So there was information out there. I, although when I first started seeing symptoms in my son, my son started regressing, I did not know what autism was. I never heard of it before in my life. Um, But after I started researching and looking, the information came. But what I guess, what my response to was in trying to learn as much and then doing a blog and then doing a podcast and then starting uh, helping to start a nonprofit was because I felt like there was voices missing in the dialogue, and I felt like, my experience with my children was a lot different than a lot of the experiences that I was hearing and reading and seeing um, on television and on the Internet. And I know because I would meet people at different venues or in the contact with people on the Internet, I know that that people were like me and And you know I'm a person of color african American, and we're seeing and feeling the same way that I was granted, I feel like you know as a community as a race humanity universally we're all one, we're all connected, but sometimes you know I would be talking to people that I would meet at seminars and and um you know information sessions and parent gatherings and um you know, conferences and, and people would tell me things and I kind of look like Oh, really, you know, but the, the worst thing or the I guess the most interesting thing is, I, I found that my experience, you know, I was running into roadblocks that other people didn't necessarily have to deal with. Um, or, you know, I wasn't being told certain types of information that other groups were privy to. So, or and privy to because assumptions weren't made about them. So that's why I wanted to start a venue. And I'm like, hey, whatever I know, whatever I find out, I'm sharing. Because unfortunately, at least particularly when you're starting out, there is kind of a deficit of information. I mean, a perfect example I give you is uh, when my son was um, – if you don't know, I mean, just to kind of give you a look, very, very brief, brief, brief tutorial. Uh, particularly if you get it, if you have a child and you and they're diagnosed when they're like two or three years old, you are eligible for, and you uh, for in-home early intervention. And then afterwards, you're eligible for like uh, special needs preschools or early intervention. If they don't have the preschool days, can still come in your home until they're kindergarten age. Um, So when my son was finishing up his secondary early intervention and getting ready to go into kindergarten, basically, the agency or the group I was dealing with were like, Oh, well, your next spot is here. I am like, Oh, okay. Now, the reason why this was afterwards, I figured out is that there was about five or six different classrooms that he could have been put into. But I was only presented one, and because I didn't know any better, I thought that that was <laughs> that was the only one, and that was the recommendation of the team. And since I didn't know any better, I took the recommendation of the team, and I put my son in this particular classroom, which, hindsight being 2020, may not have been a good fit for him overall. Um, but when I when I found out. That there were options, I was very angry because I was angry at the people that I had trusted, and I thought, why wasn't I told this? But I was angry that other people had known this, <laughs> and I didn't even know these people to, to consult with them. I didn't even know that it existed until later. And I was all kinds of angry about all all different things, and I thought from that point on I wasn't going to be in that position again. I made that decision not to be in that position again um, and to ask questions and um, exercise my rights and, and find, find, well, not necessarily exercise my rights, but to ask questions and make sure I knew the answer or I knew that the possibilities so that somebody wasn't presenting me something and saying it's the only thing. It's the best thing. It's the thing. And meanwhile, there's 10 other things I could have cho- chosen from that might have been a better fit. Um, so, so this brings me to today's topic, it's a little bit of history, but this brings me to today's topic, which is, I have been reading about autism self advocacy, because I'm so interested in it. Um, Because I have three children who are autistic. <laughs> so, but I'm interested in it because it is a really, aside from kind of being outside of it, it is a very aggressive and vibrant community of individuals. And I respect their desire to create their own voice and be heard the way that they want to be heard and be viewed the way that they want to be viewed. It's very if you will I mean it's like just to watch it and to see it and to you know the humor the you know the the sarcasm behind it all uh, i mean for what we as parents um have done in error in some ways and 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 also in best interest in some ways it's it's really refreshing but I became worried because I I like Tumblr. I don't know if any of you out there who are listening now or possibly listening later are hip to Tumblr, but Tumblr is where it's at. I like Tumblr. One, it's it's a lot different. I mean, in my opinion, I like it better than Facebook because you you get to keep kind of your anonymity in Tumblr than you do in Facebook because in Tumblr, you know, you have a blog and you could have something written on there or not. You could have 100 followers. You could have no followers. You could never post anything. But you get to follow some really cool people. And it just, I don't know, Just I think people get a little bit more personal. It's a little bit more intimate on Tumblr. So I've been on Tumblr for the last couple of weeks, and I just love it. I actually had my Tumblr blog myself for a couple of years now, but I didn't know what to do with it. So it's just been lying kind of dormant for a couple of years. But recently, I just got this hit new phone, and I've been playing with the apps on here, and I decided to, hey, why don't I hook up my Tumblr to my phone and see what's up, what's going on there? And um, so, that's what I did, Um, and there's just so much, it's just fun. It's just a fun, fun community, but I started looking up autism on there because I figured with the intimacy level that's kind of created on Tumblr that maybe for the autism community, there might be people who are a little bit more honest about how they feel. I, I I mean, and this is, I have nobody in particular that I'm talking about when I say this, but a lot of the blogs, either the, the, the very big blogs or even the more popular smaller blogs that have a lot of viewership and readership, I feel like sometimes it's shiny, happy people on there. It's like, Oh, I love my my child, and no matter what, you know. I mean, I I do love my child, no matter. Don't get me wrong, but when we're trying to, when you're trying to to convey information, or when you're trying to get a little bit real about things, I I'm not. I don't I don't want to be. I don't want to read some shiny happy stuff, because, particularly if I'm angry or I'm looking for information, or I'm feeling a certain way, and I want to know if other people have felt this way. I don't really want to hear shiny, Happy people stuff. I want to know the nitty-gritty. I want to know what bothered you. I want to know what motivated you to do X, Y, and Z, and what motivates you to get up in the morning. And, you know, I want to know who you are, not who you want me to know who you are. No, who, not who you want me to know but who you really are when I read blogs. That's just me. Um, now, obviously, let's kind of be realistic and honest here. Nobody is really putting out who they are because we'd all scare each other if we really put put who we really are on a blog and, you know, on our Facebook posts and everything. We would really freak each other out with our level of darkness <laughs> or even our level of light. Who knows? I mean, so nobody's really real. I mean, everybody's attempting to portray realness, but we I mean, let's just be honest, nobody's really real in social media. But um, but as real as you're willing to go, as real as you can get, I'm there with you. And that's what I like. I like to get, get down. I like to read stuff that's, you know, real and particularly when we're talking about parents' perspectives and individuals with autism's perspectives, because I mean, one of the hallmarks of autism is very complete honesty. So you get that realness that I'm talking about. And I love it. I love reading it. I love the humor and, like I said, the sarcasm behind it, even if it's to my detriment. Because one thing I noticed in a lot of individuals is there's kind of like this maligning of the the, the advocacy from parents and loved ones, and um, I'd be, far be it for me to judge someone else's experience, I would never do that. But um, as a parent, it does pinch my heart a little bit that the efforts that myself and others have put forth are being met with kind of like you're, you guys are condescending to us or you're not allowing us to speak for ourselves or who do you think you are speaking for me? So that's, I, I definitely see that and it, it hurts a little bit and it made me step back and do some soul searching the last couple of days because I had to ask myself, am I am I really, when I'm helping people, you know, or anybody I've helped in the past or, or I, would, I, I shouldn't even have seen that, but anybody I've attempted to help in the past and will attempt to help in the future, am Am I really doing it? Am I really honoring who they are um, by what I do and how I think? And it's because it's so funny. I wish I should have um, like bookmarked some of these comments that I saw on some of the Tumblr blogs that I um, that I follow because um, the insight into the world. See, the thing is for me. My oldest son, my sixteen year old, he's nonverbal and he uses the iPod to communicate. But, you know, we're talking about like he tells me he wants different types of food. But like sometimes he'll pop out with something interesting and I love it. You know, I, I really I would die to have a conversation with him about what's really going on in his head. And then it's like I feel like I have to I have an angel <laughs> on my shoulder It's cause the autism. Out because the angel who's saying maybe that's all he's thinking about is the food. Like give him a break, you know. Um, just in that kind of the tone, it's a type of tone of talking, and and I they sit on my shoulder to kind of check me (laughs) when I show maybe that maybe I am being a little bit condescending. So. But we talk about stimming and, you know, about how their stims are not socially accepted, but how we stim and it's totally normal. Like, we bite our nails and we, we tap pencils and, and I chew ice, you know, and it can be quite annoying, but why isn't, why isn't our no annoying as socially unacceptable as their quote-unquote stimming, which is constantly, you know, behavior planned out of their life? And I never thought about it like that because, hey, I'll be honest, when my kids, skin, it does annoy me. <laughs> but, um, you know, I love them, just the thing. But it does annoy me. But I'm sure that uh, I was just told by my mother the other day, you crunching ice annoys us. Her, so here it is, right? You know, but I, so I think the problem that I have as a parent has in trying to understand the kind of movement and the, the sentiment behind the self advocacy movement is that because I I assume a lot of what my kids are going through, because I don't, I can't communicate with them. Um, so I make a lot of decisions, I make all the decisions for them. Let's, you know, at this point, even as first sixteen year I make all the decisions for my children. And when they get to be older, you know, I foresee making the majority of decisions for them. And, But I don't want that obligation or responsibility once they're past a certain age. I would really love it for them to, be, to get to a point where they are making decisions for themselves or at least they're being able to communicate with me and I can act as a bridge to help them live the lives that they want to live. I, I don't, I have no, you know, it's been a progression over the years of parenting. You know, you start off as a new parent. You start off as a new parent and you wonder, well, I mean, even before the disability rears its head, you know, you start off as a new parent and you have ideas. Like, I. you know, Cyrus is going to be a doctor. That's my son, my oldest son. He's going to be a doctor and, um, you know. That's just the way that it was gonna be. <laughs> That's yeah it is and um, so now, um you know, I have no idea what Cyrus is going to be. I know he has an affinity for cleaning and different things, but it's taken a good twelve, thirteen years to get to the point where you're not looking at what your expectations were for your child pre-autism and mourning that, but you're now saying, okay, well, what does he like and what can he do? What does he want to do? And how can I best help him do what he wants to do? I'm fine with that. I'm not balking at that, you know? And even for my daughters who are still, you know, one's in elementary school and one's in middle school, yeah, I have no idea where they're headed i know what the types of things that they like and that they're interested in and and i want them to be able to do those things a lot of it i think a lot of some of the issues between parents and the self-advocacy movement i think comes from the cured versus illness or you know people i I notice there is a very big group of individuals on the spectrum who feel like it's an identity for them it's not a disability they think differently uh, they see the world they experience the world differently and they want that recognized as a difference versus a disability that needs to be fixed altered changed cured and take, taken away from them and that's tough it's tough as a parent because you do have a bit of selfishness involved in your role. You know, it, I, were, I would be a liar if if I sat here and tried to act like I didn't look at what goes into caring for my children and how that affects my overall life. It does obviously affect my overall life, whether how, how much I can work, when I can work, if I work. Um how much money goes to X, Y, and Z? If I can spend money on X, Y, and Z, um, if I can go someplace or do something, and what's the planning if I take them and or if I don't take them, or what, what can I go vacation or? And these are just the small everyday things that we that people do, and it's not that it's autism fault or the autism fault that some of these things don't materialize it it's part of that we don't really live in a world that accepts disability or or accommodates disability so at one point in my life you know there's always the underlying backdrop that what i do is to create or help create or help open up a world that is more friendly for my kids because it's not fair for us to keep thrusting people into situations that they are not comfortable in. You know, a perfect example would be like going to the movies. You know, who is a movie theater experience designed for? Because sometimes it's not even really designed for me. It is way too loud in there. <laughs> And uh, you know it's it, it's it can be a very it's funny because I remember as a kid I don't remember it being it's being so loud I feel like they just amp up that volume but when you see the difference between a regular movie and then you know we I've taken the kids to sensory friendly movies that's offered by the Autism Society and America and in various movie theaters up around the country and you see the difference. And you can still enjoy a good movie with the lights kind of up and with the sound kind of down and, you know, and the ability to run around the theater if you need to, <laughs> the freedom, let's say, to run around the theater if you need to. But there's, I think, a lot of a lot of what we consider normal and consider socialized behavior comes from a model of, like, almost like a puritanical um, I when I say puritanical, like New England, like sitting in church for twelve hours on Sunday. You know, where would <laughs> you fell asleep? Somebody stick a, a feather under your nose. Yeah, you know. but it's almost it's, our society is kind of uh, elements of our society is kind of founded on structure and rigidness. And it's funny because when you think about autism, you think about the hallmarks of that autistics have a, have rigidness about them, but also they have to have they they desire the flexibility to be themselves. But that's everybody's desire. That is everybody's preferred experience. So my goal as a parent is to try and not to be the spokesperson or try not to present myself or pass myself off as any type of spokesperson for autism. And I can tell you that I've, I've tried to do that in the past. I'm not going to do that because that's disrespectful to the autistic voice, so I'm not going to do that. But in turn, my voice is also relevant as a, as a, a caretaker and a loved one. And I feel like there's there's people that, if you're like, looking at it on a continuum or a spectrum, if you will, there's people at one edge of the spectrum that don't want anybody to speak as, for anything, for any authorship. You're entitled to that opinion, as I'm entitled to the opinion that everyone needs help sometimes. Everyone needs a bridge. Everyone needs supporters. You know, if we were going to liken this to, like, the civil rights movement, uh, you know, you think about the march, the marches and Martin Luther King. And and if you look at some of those old pictures, it's not just black people in those pictures, it's white people. It's, it's all kinds of people in those pictures who are supporting civil rights. And in a way, when you see that, it's become not just a black issue becomes a human issue because it affects someone's rights being denied affects everyone so when you realize the connectedness that we all have and how that if you block that in someone else you block that in yourself in a way on some level and I always think about one of my favorite little like poems or things I don't remember and I'm not going to say it right, but you'll you'll know it when you when I say it. <laughs> but the the I think it was the priest who said that they, they came for the when they came for the Christians. I didn't say anything when they came for the or Jews. I don't know, but basically this guy didn't say anything until they came for him, and nobody said anything for him. And we all have to help each one another, and we all have to lift each other up. And in our even in our individual and for lack of a better term, clannish struggles, you know, I mean, I identify as a person of color, I identify as a woman, and I, then there's various other things and groups that I belong to where I feel like you need to be honored in some way. And I wouldn't want anyone to claim to speak for me, but if you want to speak with me in these individual groups, I welcome that. I welcome your hand in friendship. I welcome... Your support, and I want to be welcomed into the autism self-advocacy movement. Obviously, I can't be a member because I'm not autistic, but I love I love someone with autism. I love three people with autism. I love more than three people with autism. You know, I I I do, and I don't want to be maligned or pushed to the side because I'm a parent. You know, and and that's the only thing that kind of bothers me. Now I mentioned in my uh I mentioned in this in the description there's this term for people who are related to people with autism. It's kind of a uh I think it's a negative term. I couldn't put my finger on it, but every time I see it used it doesn't look very positive, but it's called Alias and that's spelled A L L I S T or Aliasm A L L I S M. And it's you know Ali autism, and oh, the jokes, the jokes, and the the basically to share to show a point that of how we talk about autism is is wrong, and how we view autism, particularly in the individuals who are who are autistic. I how we so, oh oh, drop my computer. <laughs> Sorry. um I saw one person's blog, they uh, created a nonprofit that's kind of like Autism Speaks, Alias Speaks, and they talk about how like 86% of the population has is, is been uh, diagnosed with alias and oh, it's hilarious. I mean, but it's tongue in cheek. I mean, it's it's to show a point. And I have to say that there has to be kind of a, a learning curve that's described or shown or relevant here because parents, you know, it really parents don't really think of their children as charity cases. You know, I don't know. I don't know one parent that looks at their child as a as any sort of charity case. It's charities that think of autistic children as charity cases, and they're the ones that have to uh, have to fundraise. And they have to be able to get people's attention. And I think they're the ones who kind of cause the biggest problem with how autism is used um, because they have to fear monger and they have to – I'm not a, I'm not a fan of autism speaks. I've never I, – I mean, I used to support them back when my first, son was first diagnosed because I didn't know any better. We did a couple of walks. But um, my biggest issue with them – was I felt like all this money they were raising, and I didn't really see it reflected in anything. It just, um, they do a lot They give out grants. I mean, don't get me wrong. They do a lot of research, and I really felt like research, particularly when you have all these families. I mean, I remember the first couple walks we went to, and I, I just looked out on all the people that showed up, and I imagined... If, if every person there had brought with them at least, you know, $100, right, um, in pledges and stuff, you know, this is probably is this a couple hundred thousand dollar event that they brought in, you know, and maybe even more than that. Like, I'm sure more than that. But my, like, when I looked at it and I thought, but how many people's lives are directly affected and improved by what this organization does. And I didn't feel like for as much money as they probably bring in for what they put out, I didn't feel like it was, I didn't personally didn't feel like it was comparable. And that's just my opinion. And that's what prompted me and my mother uh, to kind of create our own organization where we could do things, that were, if we were going to be collecting money, you know, for organization, for we would do it for our own organization, and actually put on events and things that actually, in our opinions, help people, really help people at the base level where they need help. So, so I am definitely echo the sentiment that most um, autistic self advocates have towards organizations like Autism Speaks because I I do feel the same way. I don't feel like what they do is helpful. And and how they portray, you know, sometimes it hurts to see some of their, their advertising. It hurts as a parent to see some of their advertising because it does um, portray some of the most negative elements about autism. And it does more to scare than to inform. And if we're going to create an inclusive society, it has to be in an honest and frank way, but also it has to be in a way where people people are invited, not uh, separated. Um, so what do I mean when I say that? My daughter's school... Um, who has a very wonderful teacher, I might add uh, my daughter's school you know they have a buddy program, and basically kids come into the classroom quote unquote you know well let's let's say kids that aren't in special ed um, come into the autism support classroom and they they work with um, the uh, students in the autism support classroom they um, work on social things you know so it's a really good program like they've they had a couple activities outside of school bowling and um, you know like you type of thing and um, it's a good program because the kids I mean, I've met some of the kids genuinely show an interest for the kids in the classroom and it's not like a, I mean, I know, I mean, obviously you're getting some sort of payoff for doing this. Um, but there is a level of uh, of true friendship you see to some degree. Well, or true ex- acceptance of someone else's difference. And there has to be more of that or at least more venues where that is encouraged in order for us to truly have an inclusive society. Um, we don't have an inclusive society. I still take my kids out to places, and when they exhibit their autistic behavior, I still get a lot of look stares. But it's less. It's in a lot of times. It's more like people are staring because they know, because they have someone that they know in their family that that has autism, and you know. But you know, as parents, we gotta take our kids out. You know, we can't create this inclusive society if we're not willing to take our kids out and and let them be included because knowledge is power, but so is visibility. And I know a lot of parents who don't take their kids out. I mean, it's, it's it's hard, but, I mean, and it can be hard on the kid too as well. I mean, but, but from both angles, you know, we don't take them someplace. You're not taking them to the the bogging, you know, or to a club where there's like loud music and all kinds of funky smells and stuff like that. But you know, the grocery store, a quick trip. Um, we have to take our kids out, we have to take our, our loved ones out. If we want to be accepted, so that it's not odd to see an individual with autism have a meltdown or stint. It's something like, oh, okay, you know. I mean, there's a lot more socially accepted behaviors from toddlers, which are really not that socially acceptable. <laughs> you know, people letting their kids run around all over the... I you know, it's all kinds of things that kids, quote unquote, typical kids are allowed to do, you know, that if a person with autism, did, be like, what? So... But, yeah, we we have to take our kids out. If we want to create a truly inclusive society, we do have to do that. But also venues have to be set up that are more inclusive for differences, you know, like movie theaters, like ball games, like different different places. Um, And a lot of people are becoming – I mean, I don't want to act like there aren't people who are working on these things. I mean, there are a lot of forward-thinking – organizations, venues, places, restaurants which are trying to be more accommodating. But you know, for every one there's four or five who are telling people that they can't they can't be who they are in their establishment.
0: So
1: I wanna help facilitate that. I don't wanna I don't want to be exclusive and I don't want to be put to the side. I want to be a parent that can support the individuals that I care about and the individuals that I work with or will be working with in the future in them having a life experience that's most truthful and honest to who they are. So it's It's tough being a parent and I don't think that saying that negates my children's autism or who they are negates their identity. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that you have to learn that you kind of have to deal with, that you, there's a lot of things that you have to. The best word I can think of is desensitize yourself to. And I, without becoming numb to, um, you know, for a while. It's funny because it's almost like you go through stages. I mean, it actually, it's not almost like you go You do go through stages. And one of the things that used to really burn me up is when people would make these completely insensitive comments about, Autism, whatever. A lot of it was based on pop culture references and um, the the more eccentric aspects of the of aus- the autism experience, if you will. And it was burn me up because I'm like, after a while, you get you you, are, you know what's going to come out somebody come out of someone's mouth, and you and you kind of get tired of it. After a while, but I've learned that people are, even when people do that, they're still just trying to connect with you on some level, and I think it's because i've become, I have become more comfortable with who I am and what my role is to my children because for again for a while i i identified with autism I was an autism mom. Whatever that is, you know. And uh, I've mentioned before in different venues, you know, I I slept and breathed autism, and it became very overwhelming because I lost myself a little bit. I lost. I lost. It's weird because as I'm coming back into. Uh, doing the same sorts of things as I was doing at the time that I lost myself, I'm in a different place in my life where at that time I was doing it because that was my identity. Now I'm doing it because I'm good at it. (laughs) I'm good at it and because I want to support people and I want to help people have better lives. Families, individuals, Grandparents, whoever, and I'm good at it, and I maybe because of having a mindset where you identify with it for so long helps you become good at it. I don't know who knows who knows why why something works sometimes so it sometimes it's best just to appreciate that it works a certain way versus trying to figure out how and why it works, but for a long Time I did identify with, and then I I wrote a blog post about it on my blog ought to know dot um, com that's
0: www.ought
1: know or ought to know dot com and um, I wrote about how I realized that I don't have autism and I don't I don't have to identify with my children's experience. I can sympathize, empathize, be there for them, but I am never going to know what it's like to go through. My experience is totally different from what theirs is. My In observer mode versus I have no idea what their experience is, what they look at from their eyes, what they see, what their hopes, dreams, wishes, and desires are. I mean, for what they, they let me into, they're into... Their world And it's difficult, too, because I have a 16-year-old and I seem to be 13-year-old. So I'm dealing with teenage stuff, too. And, you know, we all know how teenagers are. And but that's the, that experience is not different for an individual with autism. They still go through teenage stuff but in a way, it, you know. But like I said, I'm not going to be speaking for people with autism. But from my experience as a parent and trying kind to of parent this very confusing time, I have no idea what's going on in there. So, you know, it's a guessing game every day. <laughs> to, to what's going on. If, if they decide to tell me, thank you. <laughs> thank you for telling me that you wanted this versus that. I appreciate it so much. Because now I don't have to guess. But, um, but yeah, I, it, just, it took us a couple of years to realize that, you know, this is not my identity. This is their identity. And my identity as a mother... But even still as their mother, I have other things, other interests and other desires that I want to pursue and that, that are more natural to me. But I can still support who they are and what they are and I can still help and I can still be an advocate and I can still support other people and help them access services and access what they need without taking away from that e-voice. And I I guess my message to anyone all of you out there who are listening is that you know, embracing this world that we live in or it's changing. I mean, I'm not just talking about autism and disability, race relations and and the world, the world is is expanding while getting smaller, while expanding. I mean, there's there's so many things that connect us and then there's so many things in the connecting of us that keep us apart. Basically, our own opinions, those, those are pretty big. They can be the size of continents. And I see that all of our children, not just autistic children, but all of our children are growing up in ways and dealing with things that even you know I'm in my 30s and as a child, you know, and a teenager, it's a different world, definitely a different world. And even from when my parents were teenagers and children, it's a different. It's almost like with each generation the I mean the, the uh the lag time between, you know, the status quo, it just it, so different, if you can understand. So I don't even understand what I'm saying, what I mean. But what I mean to say is, this, is that there's so many different groups and individuals and identities coming to the, the forefront. Whether it's a good or bad thing is not for me to say because I don't want to share an opinion on that. But Well, and plus, who am I to say whether something's a good or a bad thing on that? But what I do want to say is that, like, this podcast, this recording, this show, whatever you want to call it, is primarily to inform parents, because that's the only experience that I have ownership to. And to share things that I find of interest, because I think as parents, like I, before I started looking at this stuff on Tumblr, I had no idea that <laughs> I want to say that we were being made fun of like this. But, I mean, I knew there was a self-advocacy <laughs> movement out there, but I didn't know how vast it was, and I didn't know the, the humor and the and the realness and the sincerity that that lives there. But you got to know this as a parent. you got to know that th- there are people out there who feel this way, and one of them might be your kid. <laughs> so, you know, and it's that's the most interesting part of it, too, is that, yeah, I, guess, I mean, there's a lot of people who have dealt with abuse from people who claim to care about them, people who were entrusted to care for them, and... So there's a lot of pain and a lot of trauma that's mixed in with author, the identity and and the speaking up as well. You have to read between the lines of all that, just like you would with any other group or individual. You know, you have to read between how much of it is pain and relevant and how much of it is rhetoric and irrelevant. So... But what I mean to say is that this, this, what I do is primarily to, to be able to help parents have a better understanding and be able to better support their loved ones. And I do this through helping to identify resources and by helping to expand what's available, which what other people are being able to utilize with success so that you might be able to utilize and so that I might be able to utilize it for for my family's success. And also to support families the way that families want to be supported. Um, Because there's a lot of things out there which don't support families and which don't help families. And we have to deal with these issues every day with the school system, with the social service agencies and because even though they claim to help us and sometimes they don't. A lot of times they don't. A lot of times it's an uphill battle dealing with those agencies and school districts and IEPs and plans and, and evaluations. And But if you know what's available and you know what you can ask for and you you know what kind of life that you want to have or what kind of family that you want to have and you you know that you want to be able to do a certain thing with your child or with your loved one or be able to have a certain type of relationship that's what I'm here to support and I kind of want to make that clear because I read I read all kinds of things and I, I didn't want to contribute to the narrative in a way where it was more dissension where I was coming out for parents tear it because rough no I didn't want to come out like that even though my feelings were hurt by some of the things I read as a parent I still I didn't want to promote and come out in a way where I still furthered the divide that exists I want to be a bridge that's my intention is to be a bridge between groups and whoever will accept me as a part of that bridge uh, whether they be autistic or whether they be parent or uh, self advocate or you know you know alias. <laughs> so um, that's my intention. It comes from a place of love, not control. And it's unfortunate because when I think about how we treat individuals with autism, it's and it's I mean it's it's become commonplace but we really do have to evaluate and make sure that we are person-focused in the sense of we are really taking into consideration what they are saying that they want and what – this doesn't mess up the sound because i had this in the back here – but what they are saying by their behavior, by their – in many ways, by their communication, what they really want. Now, obviously – you have to make adjustments for age and you know just because somebody has a disability if they're going through their teenage years and they're disagreeable grumpy have an attitude well that's across the board and you can't cave in just because oh you're autistic so i have to give you what you want in that sense i mean it, it has to be age appropriate i mean we still have to be we still have to parent you know and i, I wondered how many of the things i was reading was just some teenagers, you know, ranting about, you know, being told they can't have something versus, and I don't want to negate the experience by saying that. But, you know, we still have to be parents. And parents doesn't mean just like, uh, even with my kids, you know, you want to, like, I'm always trying to encourage communication. But if you want a chocolate lollipop before dinner, and you say, I want chocolate lollipop, Yay, you talk, but no, you still can't have one, you know. <laughs> so, so you kinda of have to you have to way you have to weigh engage where you are and what you're doing and what, what what the point of it is. I mean we're all gonna want what we want. Sometimes it's always not in our best interest to actually get that's a that's a fact of life. Nobody ever gets what they want all the time just because they ask for it. You know. That would be wonderful if we well, not necessarily, you know, the whole adage, be careful what you what you wish for. But, you know, that's a part of being a parent and, and teaching and making sure that your, your loved one, your child, your teenager, understands the difference between this is parenting and this is cruelty, you know. Um, and I'm a positive thinker in the sense that I, I think most people are trying to do things from a place of parenting and goodness and to build a, help build integrity and personality in their child from, but, and not consciously trying to be cruel and abusive by what we do. I mean, there's, some, there's a contingency of individuals who believe that ABA therapy that's associated I mean, applied behavioral analysis is a cruel uh, intervention. Uh, there's been reports from some people who have done it who have taken it to a cool place. But it also can be done in a very, I don't want to say flexible, but in a very, I don't want to say gentle either. It's getting late. We're coming to 12.55 and my brain is feeling it. But Compassionate, that's the word. It often can be done in a very compassionate way. Um, but for people who have suffered from abuse as a result, you, you cannot tell them that there's a compassionate way to do ABA, um, And that's their experience and they're, they're entitled to it. Uh, what, what I just overall, because I'm going to have to wrap this up, soon, um, is that as parents... We need to know what's out there. We need to know that these organizations exist for our children's benefit. Uh, Our autistic children will become autistic adults, and they do need to know how to advocate for themselves. Everything that we do as parents ultimately should be to teach our children how to advocate for themselves one way or another, regardless of communication. You do it on on their level. You teach them how to... Defend themselves, protect themselves from people who would take advantage. Unfortunately, you know, one of my biggest fears is what happens when I'm not around. Can my daughter, can my son effectively protect themselves or be able to speak up for themselves in a way so that others won't take advantage of them? And I don't know. You know, I obviously the story's not finished, so, you know, they're still with me. But when they're away from me, you know, I wonder, are they able to protect themselves if need be? If something happens to them, can they find a way to let me know? You know, so, but as parents, that's that's our ultimate goal, is teach self-advocacy. We certainly don't want our children to have to rely on someone else to be able to uh, get their wants and needs met. Independent. That's the ultimate goal. So anything that I do on behalf of my children in the name of autism is ultimately for their betterment and their benefit. And I want, if it's nowhere else to be stated, I want it to be stated in no near. And I think as parents, New parents, old parents, whatever, you know instead of taking offense or going along with the politicizing of the group. Because ultimately this is a political movement. Um, so it's becoming it's going to galvanize. What I see for the future is that this is going to galvanize into a political movement, which can be a very good thing because it will be able to to be able to possibly make changes in how our society is created from now on. Maybe more spaces uh, that are open housing that is that is more suitable for individuals with disabilities. Group housing, um, and I don't mean like group home housing, but I mean like shared living and 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 you know paired living with other individuals. Um, of varying uh, abilities, you know. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can be done if if allowed to, you know, and I want to support that as a parent. And I suggest, I guess, to end, I I would say take a look at some of this information that's out there. There's a group called Autism Self-Advocacy Network. That's probably the most prominent group. Go to their website. Um, I don't have it up. But just put a search for autism self advocates. And check out what they're advocating, what they support, what they're about, and and see if what you do and how you interact and how you support your loved one is in some sort of alignment with that. And also question what how you think about autism, because that's important too. You know, I've never been one to think that Anybody with autism, regardless of their speaking ability ability or functioning level, if you will, has any lack of intelligence. I don't believe that at all. I've never believed that. I've had to try to convince people otherwise because other people want to look at what a person is able to say with their voice or do or behave as a level of intelligence, and it's not because some of these behaviors are uncontrollable, and they have nothing to do with the brain functioning in the sense of your intellectual level. So I would say as parents, that's my advice to you. I mean, don't stop being a parent, don't stop loving, and don't stop advocating. But let's see how we can individually move closer to supporting and embracing self-advocates in a way that they want to be. Supported and embraced, and not in a way that makes us feel comfortable. So, okay, it is 1 a.m. This has been discovering on autism. I am your host, Nicole, and I am out. By oh, before I pop out, every Friday midnight, Friday night midnight, Saturday morning midnight, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> I will be doing the show. That is my New Year's revolu- resolution. Revolution. I keep saying revolution, and I love it. I love that I keep saying revolution by accident. That's my New Year's revolution. So um, if you're here with me, join me, share the link, um, call in at some point maybe if you feel like it. Put, there's a chat room, but I didn't look at it the whole time. So, But that's not necessarily what I'm not going to do in the future. But um, if you want to talk, if you have ideas, you can always email me at ot, aut, a u t dot to know, t o k n o w, at gmail.com. And I'd love feedback, love, love, love feedback, ideas for the show, if you want guests or not, <laughs> what type of topics to cover, um, because I'm starting this up again and I'm committed every. Friday, Saturday, midnight to be here and to be talking. So thanks for joining me in whatever capacity you did. Uh, I'll see you
0: next week. Peace out.